You guys, this is Andy Sutton. You're listening to the Sheriff Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of The Sheriff. Guys, tonight I'm able to have a gentleman that I truly look up to. Now, there's several reasons why I look up to this gentleman. First off, my guest today, his NHL playing career was cut short with the Toronto Maple Leafs due to chronic low back pain and eventually surgery. Ladies and gentlemen, what I find incredible is that at 23 years old, this man believed that there had to be a better way to deal with this chronic pain. And he opted for a career in chiropractic after his playing days. Ladies and gentlemen, I met this man just last week, but I already feel like I've known him for a long time. And I'm so happy to have him on our show today. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Dr. Pat Graham. How are you doing this evening, Doc? I am doing fantastic, Sean, and it's uh, it's a pleasure of mine to be on that be on with the sheriff tonight. That's for sure. Well, as we were talking before the recording, Doc, and I'm going to call you Patty if that's okay, because you that's, did say that's, that. Really. I've been Patty since I was four years old. First, my first that's hockey awesome. coach was uh, an Irish cop, and uh, he was Patty, and I became Patty, and that was it. So that was. Well, uh, that was yeah, man, that's absolutely fantastic. I love little stories like that, Patty, because <laughs> although I may not look at it at first glance, I'm actually half Irish, dude, and hence the name Sean McMorrow. And yeah, I'd I, I love to talk old Irish stories with you, especially since <laughs> I've been over the pond, over to Ireland to play. But but to be honest with you, um, Patty, I love to go to the beginnings with my guests because I have such big characters, just like yourself. The biggest characters come on my show. I want to talk about their beginnings. I want to talk about Toronto a little bit, my hometown as well. Now, was Toronto the actual birthplace for you? Yeah, I was born and raised in Toronto, um, born in the Lee Side area, and then within a couple of years moved up to Leslie and Shepherd, which was uh, back then uh, we were the last development north, and then after that it was just farmland. So it was uh, it was an awesome spot to grow up, you know, like you just. Uh, you get up on Saturday mornings, hop on your bike, and I come home at dinner time. You know, we'd make our own lunches and stuff. We'd, you know, come home at dinner time, and my mom would say, you know, how was your day? And I'd say, yeah, really cool. We were, we rode our bikes up to this place called Unionville, and it's a neat little town, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, you look at where Unionville and everything is now, you wouldn't be doing that nowadays. So we had, cool. we had farms and streams and everything. It was a great spot to grow up. Wow, that's incredible. Like, and I'm a big geography guy, Patty, and it's just like, I really appreciate little stories like that. And like, what a lot of people actually don't realize is that, you know, Toronto, like as a whole was a farming community not too long ago, right? And now it's such a booming place that people don't even realize that. So the Leaside area was kind of like the cutoff. And then no, Leaside was born. where I was born. The cutoff was Leslie and Shepard. Leslie and we had, uh, yeah, we had we had like just basically just farms above us until you got up to Markham, and uh, it it was it was a cool spot to grow up. Like I think that's something kids nowadays miss. Like, you know, sitting in an apple tree or having apple fights or dirt bomb fights and stuff like this. You know what I mean? Yet we because we're in the big city, we just can't let let kids run anymore. 
And yeah. I, you know, I just had the run. I got up, I went, and my parents just let me go out the door and with all our buddies and stuff. And, and I, I really think I look back on that. There was a, a guy on AM radio, and he called it. He grew up in our area, and he called it the greatest generation. And it, it was, it was, it was just a real cool time and place to grow up. That's for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I love it, the fact that we're talking about this time, because in the timeline, I wanted to ask you about the minor, about your minor hockey, like growing up, like, right. did you play in like, what would have been the, the the MTHL at that time? Or what was the minor hockey for you growing up? Yeah, it was the MTHL. And uh, I started out with, uh, with uh, it was called the Don Valley Leafs, actually. And that was pretty cool in tight hockey because we practiced Sunday mornings at like 5:30 in the morning at Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was it was it Whoa. was great. And then um, moved on to play with Wexford out of the East End uh, a couple right years there. I think they're called the Titans now or something like that. And then on to the Marlies, and was nice. with the Marlies for a few years, and then uh, went down to St. Mike's to go to high school, and ended up playing my junior hockey or starting my junior hockey down there anyway. Now, and, and thanks for sharing that. Now, now, Patty, I remember when we met last week um, at Bottom Line, like we were talking a little St. Mike's, right? Yeah. And I, I, I really appreciate kind of talking to people, especially if they're older than me, like about those types of institutions, because, man, like I was only there for for one school year and then the first month of the second one. And right. that place really like made its mark on me, brother. Like it really like it, it was a big deal in, in my journey. Was it for you? Oh yeah. So even in that short period of time, you felt that. Yeah. I, I I really yeah. felt it played a huge role. Um, the the whole staff was they just felt like they were there to help you succeed. You know what I mean? And and. Uh, they were they were tough on you, but they were fair, and they they just they wanted you. You really had a sense that the staff wanted the best for you, and the cool thing was is my my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, um, and then my brother uh, all went to St. Mike's, and then uh, my my three boys. We have three boys, uh, and they all went to St. Mike's too. And uh, it, it was a little different because it was private when they came through, but I yeah. think that's why we sort of pushed them in that direction, just because of, you know, what we felt that it did for us, um, ourselves, going to that school. Oh, it was, it was awesome. a good experience, yeah. So you're three boys. Okay, so now, all right, so I'm, I'm going to dig a little deeper into this. Now, I remember our conversation at Bottom Line. We were talking about, now, there was other people involved, but Mr. Pagano came up. Father Mullen came up. Right. Um, I. I was explaining. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you, I, you go ahead. I just, I remember the conversation. Yep. I was explaining that when I went there, Mr. Pagano was the vice principal. Right. And the St. Clair West subway station was is very close located to the school. Like it's only you know a couple minute walk. So he would actually hide in the bushes <laughs> at St. Clair West and jump out. And if your tie wasn't done all the way up, you were getting a detention slip. And the point of it was to teach discipline. Right. Right. We all got it, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got it. But like I said, I really believe it was fair. 
I believe it was fair discipline. Um, Mr. Pagano was a history teacher when I was there. He wasn't the vice principal. So I remember I'm a little more laid back. Although, you know, if you messed up in class, that 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 changed pretty quickly. But I, yeah, he was a great guy. Father Mo and I remember, because I think it was, we were talking about Father Mo with Mike Boland, who That's was right. at, the, at the podcast. And Mike Mike was good friends with him still, or I guess up until he passed away or whatever. So That's right. Yeah, so for, I remember Father Mo. And, but a lot of the guys... A lot of the priests, but even the um, the the lay teachers, you know, the people that weren't priests, they they had all played some sports, and a lot of them were St. Mike's grads, so they had that that feeling and sensation too. You know what I mean? So it was it was good, it was really good, and that's yeah, why we like, pushed I, the boys I, to go that way too. Yeah, for sure. And like I I, I just felt like man, if I have a guest that actually went to St. Mike's, but wait a second. Now his three sons also went to St. Mike's. Like we got to bring, we got to, we got to talk about, about that place. Cause I, I, like I told you, it made such, it was such a big influence on me. Um, I'm so glad that I was able to go. Um, it's a big part of my journey and, and I knew it probably was for you as well. So Addy, I'm getting, I'm getting excited because this is the part of the show that I have so much interest in and I'm so curious about is when you hit junior, Okay, right. so we're talking the Marlies and the Niagara Falls Flyers, okay? Right. Now, we discussed before the recording, well, you brought up that, you know, that you were traded to Niagara. Now, when when you when you got on the Marlboros, though, at that level, that must have been pretty cool to, to play so close to home. I mean, Niagara's not too far, but the Marlies, man, such a, a historic team. Yeah, and they're they're not around anymore, unfortunately. No. But it was, yeah. I mean, as a kid playing in, for the minor Marley organization, uh, we used to have access to all the Marley games, you know, for free. So we'd go down on Sunday afternoons, and back then the gardens, you know, would have twelve to fifteen thousand people to watch junior hockey. So it yeah. was it was very exciting, and it, it was um, I was drafted uh, as an underage. Uh, so I played four years a junior, and that was the year that um, uh, Gretzky got picked third overall as opposed to first overall. So that really? was an, it, we, I remember being at the draft, and we're all just like, "What? What's going on here?" But uh, you know, they didn't think Sioux he was Saint big Marie, enough to right, play. Patty? That was Sioux Saint Marie, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so you know, I got to play the four years, and but I think playing at home was certainly an advantage, and it was exciting, but. It didn't have the same, um, like be, getting away from home was just a fantastic experience. And then to be traded to Niagara Falls, the funny thing was we'd played, uh, we'd played on the Sunday, we played the Falls, and there was a guy who was a good buddy of mine growing up, Wayne Crawford, on Niagara Falls, and he wasn't getting a lot of ice time. And then I wasn't too happy with the ice time I was getting. I was playing. But I get tossed out of the game for three fights or whatever. So I'm up in the stands. Wayne Crawford's up in the stands because he's not playing. And so we're joking around. We said we got to arrange a trade. You, you know, I'll go to the I'll go to Niagara Falls and you can go to Toronto. We're laughing about it. And then yeah. that Thursday, I, I walk in and uh, Frank Manello, who was the general manager of the uh, the Marlies at the time, he calls me in and. Says, hey, you've been traded to the uh, Niagara Falls Flyers, and I said, okay, you got to tell me who I was traded for. And he says, Wayne Crawford. <laughs> so, so it worked no out great. 
And then one of the guys, the first guy to greet me when I got to Niagara Falls was one of the guys I fought with in the in the three fights, this guy Tommy Gibson. And Tommy was uh Tommy was known as a boxer. He was a pretty good fighter. So I had uh, one of my eyes was closed from Tommy, and he was the first one to come and meet me <laughs> when I got to Niagara Falls. <laughs> now, isn't it interesting how that works, though, with hockey? Like, I find that guys that become the best of buds have usually had a combat in a previous game when they didn't play together. And, like, it, it, it's it's so cool how that works with our sport. Yeah. Now – now, brother, you had a pre- you had a couple really big names on this Niagara Falls team. One of them being Steve Larmer, who ended up having a very, very long and incredible NHL career. Right. But the other gentleman, Mr. Steve Ledzik, who in the past year and a bit has become so close to me and my brother-in-law, Danny Granger. Steve, Steve Jr., Ryan, Marianne, who we talked about before the recording, Dan right. Lancioli, all of them. Tell, tell me what your connection to, the, to him from that point and, and, and what it's meant to you for, for your whole life. The, that was a really unique group we had because on a regular basis, we're all, we're all talking uh, on, um, you know, on, 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 uh, uh, not Twitter, what's it called? We're texting one another. We have a text group. And we're on a regular basis. We still keep in touch. And and Ludzi, with all the stuff he, he's been doing and all the stuff he's been through, for crying out loud, that it's really kept us all together. And uh, I'll run into guys who, you know, we've been taught texting and stuff. I might not have seen them for, you know, three, four years, but it's like I saw them yesterday. But getting to Niagara Falls was it was great, and I, I think I was you know as we were talking about beforehand. So uh, Ludzi was the center, Larms was the right wing, and there was this guy uh, Johnny Kirk who was Ludzi's long time. They, like they grew up, their backyards abutted one another, right? So they grew yes. up together, and they had a great year the year before. But uh, Kirky had sort of th- th- the wheels had sort of fallen off a little bit, and um, so I think they were just looking to shake things up you know what i mean so i get traded in and sure enough they take kirky off the line and they put me on the left the left side and the funny thing is you were talking about guys who battle and stuff so kirky you know he could have hated my guts for coming in and taking his spot but right off the get-go he and i he and i hit it off and we had just you know and we to this day we see one another and we have little jokes amongst us and stuff and you know a big hug and everything and yeah, we it's 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 a real love fest with these guys. It's crazy, and then um, you know with uh, Ludzi and Larms, basically, I just uh, I just go into the corner, muck it up a little bit, get a puck to Ludzi. Ludzi would pass it over to Larms, and Larms had this incredible shot, and he'd throw it in the net. And all I had to do is just make sure that the referee realized who it was that got it out of the corner to Ludzi, just so I could get my assist in there, or whatever. And they, yeah. they they threw me a few uh, they threw me a few apples every once in a while so I could throw it in the net too so we, had, we had, but we had a we well, had a great time yeah I mean you got to give yourself more credit than that Patty because I'm a stat guy man I'm look I'm looking at the stats right now I mean the first year you were there you were over a point per game thirty goal man sixty three points in fifty nine games not too shabby coming to a new team. 
I yeah, I was happy with that. A lot of that year I had some well, it's funny, we're gonna get into this later on, but I had some low back issues that year too. So okay. I was playing but not playing at a hundred percent. And yes. um yeah, so that was a that was a bit of a, an issue. And then uh really worked hard during the summer to to get in phenomenal shape because that well that from that year that you're talking about, I got drafted to Pittsburgh um, yes. again as an underage, which was kind of cool. And so I knew I was going to be going to camp, um, but just and knew I was going to be coming back to junior too. Yes. So I, I was in great shape, really worked hard. And then that last year in Niagara Falls was just was an incredible year. And I, I, I just missed, I think I ended up with 98 or 99 points or something in like yes. 50, 50 some odd games. And but you, you, I had, missed you, you almost 100, had 100 points in 60 games, brother. Yeah. And I missed 100 point. Uh, thing because I was rooming with uh, you'd remember a guy named Paul Gillis who uh, yeah. played for Hartford in that so I was rooming with Paul and he'd he'd separated his shoulder and he goes out and he gets I'm on the ice with him and he gets in a fight when we got like three games left in the season we're up in Sudbury when this happens and so he gets in a fight and he's just getting pounded so I I jump in to so I get suspended for two games. <laughs> so I missed the last two games. <laughs> oh. I missed my 100 points. And the best part is, is Paul Gillis is like, he's like, Patty, you didn't have to do that. I was doing fine. Meanwhile, his face looked like I'd been through an organ grind yeah. or something like that. So. <laughs> you should have said, yeah, I, I, we'd like to see your face if I didn't jump in. Maybe you wouldn't even be here, period. <laughs> exactly. So that was a hell of a year. And I, Let's see, keep saying I we have some sort of record for points by a line over the course of a junior career or something like that. So it was it was a great experience. And, and uh, but playing with those two guys was a treat. It was, you know, Ludzie people don't realize, you know, that new Ludzie from the pro game because he completely had to change his game. But he yeah. was a phenomenal, offensively gifted hockey player. Um, and he was a he he just had a great knack on how to move the puck. You know, he could score goals as well, too, but he, he's, his ability to move the puck left and right, you know, was was terrific. And then he gets to pro and he gets to Chicago and they've got Dennis Savard and Tom Lysiak, uh, you know, two of the greatest centers that, at, you know, at least in the top 50 centers that played the game. And oh, yeah. they're on one team. And Ludzie's like, I got to change the way I play. And, and he became a, a defensive specialist. And and he he didn't mind dropping the mitts every once in a while too, so and I, I people didn't realize that he could do that. But we I saw that one night in a bench clearing brawl in Oshawa, he fought this guy Barry Tobogadung, who was one of the toughest guys in the league. And I in the midst of the brawl, a bunch of us ended up. I ended up with a couple guys sitting on me, and I'm on my back, so I'm I can't do anything. I'm watching. And I'm like, oh, shit, Ledzie's going to get his ass kicked here. And I can't do anything about it. And holy yeah. cow, he just, he, he gave it to Barry. He And I think he surprised Barry. And he, Ledzie, you know, was throwing up both hands and just doing everything he had to do. At one point, Ledzie's pants were down around his ankles. <laughs> He's still throwing. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, wow, we were all pretty impressed with what he could do. And then when he got to pro, you know, he didn't mind dropping the gloves, but he really became a, that defensive specialist. And I think that's why he became such a a, a great coach uh, when he got to pro two is because he knew both ends of the game. 
You know, he wasn't just an offensive guy. He could he could play it either way, and he could help the guys on either way there too. So yeah, was, and like and just to add to that point, like I've I've had a couple guys on the show that were that were coached by by Ledzi, like hmm. like 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 Banksy, who we were talking sure, about, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Payne, like a couple guys of and 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 just his presence of of the two tone dress shoes and, and the swag <laughs> was enough. To be a oh, good coach. Yeah, he was. He he took Don Cherry and and uh, and put it on steroids, man. He was, yeah. he was something else. Yeah. He, <laughs> even in even in junior, he liked to he liked to light it up a little bit with the dress too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like we're talking about, I mean, Ludzi, like 145, 150 point man. You know what I mean? You were you were pretty much cracking a hundred points. I know Larmer was at the same totals as Ludzi. Like you guys were lighting the lamp, man. You guys were awesome. What was your billet situation like? Oh, I had uh, that was probably the best thing about getting traded to Niagara Falls. I had a um, phenomenal billet situation. I was a little further away from the rink, but I had a family. Um, uh, he was the the. The father was from Trinidad. The mother was English, like from England. And yeah. they were just hockey phenomenal. Like they just loved hockey. And they'd, they'd really? had people back in the 70s that they'd billeted. And they had three sons of their own, too. One of the wow. sons was still at home. And then another son, uh, his marriage broke down. He ended up back at home. And they okay. still billeted me. And then... The next year, they billeted both uh, Paul Gillis and myself. They took two of us in. They were just a phenomenal family. Wow. And they they would uh, they were all shift workers at a place called Ohio Brass. So they'd come home, and dinner was at like 5 o'clock every night. You know, we wouldn't get home from practice till 7, 38 o'clock. But they had this hot plate sitting there with as much food as you could ever ask for, which was a great thing when you were – because you heard some of the stories from some of the other guys billeting with people. But oh, yeah, yeah. This, this family was, they were the Gomes and they were, uh, the, the Mr. and Mrs. Gomes are gone now, but they were just phenomenal people. And it was great for my mom and dad too, that they knew that I was looked after in that too. So that, that was, made it comfortable for them. Wow. Now, now my father's from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh yeah. Did, did you like, did you guys, did you benefit from Trinidadian meals at that place? Did you get um, a taste of that or no? You, you know what? I did it every once in a while. I don't know if it was the Trinidad side or the uh, Trinidadian side or the, the English, English side, but we would get, okay. you know, they introduced me to some curries, you know, yeah. some stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Curry, stuff that I came from, you know, the Irish uh, meat and potatoes. And yeah. so I, I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden yeah. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. No, I just, because there's only been one time in my life, Patty, that I've been to Trinidad. Right. I was only 13 years old. And man, I would just look forward to the dinners every evening. <laughs> because I just, it, like, I was staying with, like, relatives that were pretty well off. And there was, like, a really good cooks. And man, now those West Indian Trinidadian meals are good, man. Yeah, so you absolutely. You got a taste of that. Absolutely. You got a taste of that, Doc. <laughs> well, and that's I know, and then now it it, it stays with me today because I don't mind my spicy stuff, and uh, yeah, we'll go different places. I'll have some curry dinners and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, I don't know if you like it, like, I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting topic where we're at, but like Trinidad's like very unique, especially in the Caribbean. Like, you know, they got the oil and all that stuff in that country. So they're like, they're not a third world country. They're actually a right. pretty thriving little Island. It, it's, it's a pretty cool culture. Yeah. And it, the, um, I, that, that area too, I think you had a lot of, like you had, you had your, you like know, for the your, farming? your Africans coming in you know yeah. during the slave time but then you had indians coming in you had yeah. portuguese like you got a real you know a whole bunch of people Mix. in there from different yeah and they all everyone seems to you know get along they just thrive they get along great yeah it's actually it's so cool that you just said that because it's it literally is like like a third a third and a third in that country Oh, really? Like when to, yeah when it comes to like black compared to east indian compared to white it's like a third and a third and a third. And it's like, it's like a Scarborough, a, like a Toronto diverse Trinidad. It's a very, very unique place. Yeah, very that's cool. cool. Spot, and I'm glad you got to be able to experience that culture. Well, yeah. And they, they, like I said, they were just phenomenal people. And I don't, I, I probably did hear the story uh, where they met, but like, cause she was right off the boat for me. They, they probably met in Canada. They probably both immigrated to Canada and met here in Canada, but yeah. Yeah. It was, right uh, they were, they were phenomenal people. That's for sure. So I wanted to talk to you about the draft a little bit. Okay. Like you, you got drafted, you know, in the 1980 draft, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, where was your draft? It was in Montreal. Did yeah, you go? The draft was in Montreal. So Ludzi and I and Daryl Evans, we went to, uh, we went down to Montreal for the draft and, and we had, a that weekend was, uh, we were there for a couple of nights and we, we stayed in the same hotel room and stuff. And our agent set it all up, you know, for us. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a wild weekend. We had a good time and it was really funny because Daryl, Daryl Evans was a phenomenal hockey player, but he came through at a time. He wasn't the biggest guy in stature, but this guy was built like Adonis, man. He, he was, and he was strong as could be, and he could shoot the puck. And uh, so he's sitting there, and Ludzi and I and Larms, we'd, we'd all been drafted and stuff, and Daryl <laughs> hadn't been drafted. So, he, he's, <laughs> you know, he, this guy has, like, the quickest wit going, and he's making joke after joke after joke. And then and then f- finally, you know, he gets picked by uh, L.A. at some point late in the, late in the round or whatever. But it was, a, it was a great weekend, and that was a really cool experience because the whole forum – that was it was this was the old forum the forum was packed like people are, are that yeah. into it to come and see the draft and stuff oh yeah yeah so then you get you know you get picked and you head down you meet the guys at the table and stuff and uh i'd always been eddie johnson was our uh, coach at the time and uh, he later became the gm but i'd always been a bit a big eddie johnson fan because he played goal for the bruins during their heyday and then team canada in 72 and then he played a little bit with the leafs too so yeah, I was a big fan of his, so it was great to meet him and some of the other guys there. Super, super, super cool. So now, okay, so Patty, these past two seasons, your last two seasons in junior were obviously incredibly productive. You know, right. the 65, almost 100 points, right? So you had some really big momentum going into pro, like confidence-wise, production-wise, right? Now, when you were going to training camp, like, were you thinking in your mind, like, I'm going to play for the Penguins in my first year pro? <laughs> like, I was looking, bro, and I was looking at, I'm like, this guy, 
this guy played 42 games in his first year pro. <laughs> that, to me, that's very impressive. Man. Well, that young, playing with with NHL guys, man. Yeah, you're you know you're 20 years old and you come in and um, I'd been like I said I'd been at the camp the year before, so yeah. I got to know a lot of the guys, and then I came in and I'll be perfectly honest with you, Sean. My my only goal in camp was make the American League team because it was called the the International League back then, the IHL, the International Hockey League. And I don't know if people realize at that time in the early 80s, it was still like the movie Slapshot. You know what I mean? There was characters down there and you heard stories and the, you know, the fights and brawls and stuff. And and I was just like, okay, you you got to make the American Hockey League team. You don't want to get sent. I think it was Muskegon was their uh, was their International Hockey League team. Okay. So that's that's all I was thinking going into camp, <laughs> and I had a pretty good camp, I guess. And so they said, yeah, yeah well, uh, well, uh, you're coming with us down to Pittsburgh. So I was like, holy smokes, that, that was pretty exciting, and uh, and you know it certainly helped with the contract too because you're on a two way contract at the time, and so yeah. you know, you're making the big dough and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. So I we get down to Pittsburgh and. Um, Mike Bullard and uh, Doug Shedden, the three of us got a house and it was uh bully was a natural. He, he was, he's such a, such a great hockey player, but he just had such a great cocky attitude that he just fit right into the pro game. It, you know, off he went for Shedzy and I, it was, you know, you're nervous. You, you don't want to make a mistake. So you sort of played that way. And I'll never forget um, the first two games of uh first game was in st louis in the old checker dome it was their home opener and then you know twenty thousand people in there then the next game was in chicago in the old chicago stadium twenty thousand people their home opener too and i just i think i just skated around looking at the the crowd the whole time because the third game they're like hey you're not you're not dressing tonight (laughs) you gotta figure figure this out kid so uh so, uh, yeah, so that was a bit of a wake-up call. And the guys were great. You know, there was the, you know, the typical rookie stuff and that. It was all in fun. And it was it was a great group of guys, though. And, and the Pittsburgh team was uh, – we were very, very close. Uh, most of us all lived fairly close, too. And the guys, like, it was practice, everyone out to lunch, you know, everyone having dinners and stuff. It was, it was a real close group. So – when I got traded to Toronto, um, and that was my own doing, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of funny stories about that. But yeah, when I got traded to Toronto, I was like, hey, you're being traded back, you know, to your hometown. And I'm like, I, I don't want to. I want to stay in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I And Toronto yeah. was it was still the Ballard days, and it was a bit of a shit show with, with Ballard and stuff. So, but, uh, yeah, Jerry McNamara wanted me back, and so that was great. But, yeah, I, I, I really was disappointed in having to leave Pittsburgh. But like I said, it was my own my own undoing. And we were talking about Eddie Johnson earlier. They the had, uh, in my rookie year, I had a good run going. Um, it was playing a fair bit. And there was one game we are playing Toronto, and we're up 2-1. And uh, there's about three minutes left in the game. And Billy Durlego, who's playing for Toronto, goes wide on one of our defensemen. And our defenseman, he, he didn't really hook him or anything, but the referee, that Don Kaharski, calls hooking on. So, and I knew Coho from the 
the OH, the OHL. So I don't know what I'm thinking. I go, Coho, that's a bullshit call. I skate by him and I dive through the air and slide on the ice. So next thing I know, I'm in for unsportsmanlike. So now we're down five on yeah, five on three. <laughs> and the defenseman happened to be this guy, Paul Baxter, and he's like, Hey Patty, see that guy selling popcorn up there? And I go, Yeah. He goes, That's you, man. You're done. Like after that move, what the hell are you thinking? So we ended up Killing the penalties off, and I made uh, Eddie Johnson came in after the game, and he, he couldn't even speak. He was so mad he couldn't even speak to me. And then, um, then I made some comment in the press about uh, I owe these guys that killed off the penalty dinner. So they waited till we got to Chicago, and then uh, you know it was all the finest bottles of wine and everything else. So that was that was four G's or something like that for dinner that night. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, I mean. <laughs> I want to add to the Pittsburgh thing a little bit because, I mean, I had the pleasure of having Randy Cunnyworth as my coach and pro in Rochester for four straight seasons, okay? Right. He explained to me the pride behind that black and yellow, man. Yeah. He explained to me the, how that city is and how special of a sports town it is. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you're a Steeler, a Penguin, Baltimore Ravens. It doesn't matter who you are, man. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, a, a, a Steeler or or a Penguin. It doesn't right. matter. It's so prideful to play there. So I hear you, man. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, when you were me. when they switched over from the, um, it was just when when I happened to get there. They switched over from the the old blue jerseys to the 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 golden and black oh, and white. Really? And that really. You, that really gave you a sense, and that's when the organization really started to go, too. That really gave you a sense that, you know, we've created something here, and, and that we're, part of the, we're part of the city now, you know what I mean? And yeah. that, that, was, that was really cool. So it, yeah. was, uh, uh, it was a great, and it was just a great city, too. And Rand, speaking of Randy Cunnerworth, we played junior all the way up and, uh, you know, against one other in pro, and he, what a phenomenal hockey player and, and was he a good coach I, I, oh, he was my, my favorite coach man awesome yeah i figured he would yeah be. figured he would be. oh yeah unbelievable yeah that's good he's um just to give you an update like you know Cunny, and you know how incredible guy a little bit different right great family man but he's a little bit different right and i'm sure you <laughs> you won't be surprised when i tell you this he has now got to a time in his life where He's content to just be just him and his wife. And like, he's living in like a remote area, like way up north. Really? I was trying to get him on the show. And, and and I got along really well with Greg, his son, the goalie. Right. And um, Greg would come on the ice and always, you know, do time. Like I was, you know, I was a, a fourth liner, right? So, you know, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman, the fourth line, all the rookies were all doing extra work. Well, Connie would have his... His son come out if, if like Ryan Miller or one of those guys didn't want to stay out and his right. son would come and we'd shoot on his son. And so I developed a friendship with his son because I was doing so much of that extra shooting. <laughs> right? And so Greg told me, man, he's like, look, man, my dad has to drive like a half an hour just to check his email. Right. Yeah. So he, he ain't getting on Skype. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, man. if you're talking to him, make sure you say hi to him for me because he was he was one of the true gems. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Another thing I want to add to, you're, you're really downplaying this living with, with Mike Bullard and the other guy, brother. 
because I had Bully on the show, and he must have went on about an hour about this house that he lived in with you. And he told me about the Pittsburgh, the football guys, and how cool everything was. You had it made, my man, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we did. We did. We had a great. We had a great time. We were. Uh, we we the boys uh every time we came into practice that next day the uh the veterans mostly the married guys wanted to hear uh you know yeah. how, how the three little pigs were doing the night before type thing what type of stuff <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a lot of fun and uh yeah uh, all of us would have friends down from the city at different times and so we got to know you know, friends of our of, of each of the guys and stuff too. So it was it was a real good group. It was a really good group, yeah. A lot of yeah, fun. That's that's so awesome. Um so and and I mean like obviously everyone plays for a team that they, they really like because the, the city's so awesome, whatever, you know, and then, and then we have to leave, right? So like I hear what you're saying about it not being the most motivating thing to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs at that time. I mean, right now, players would probably love to go. You know, their franchise is worth the most. They, they're yeah. a great team. You know what I mean? But but there's different times for, for different things. And, and you know, at that time, but, like, there was still some pretty cool cats that you got to play with on that team. Like, guys like Borio Salming. Oh, right? yeah. Borio was still there. Yeah. yeah Rick Five. The, the bit, yeah, they had. You know what? We had. We actually had a lot of good hockey players there. Like the the front line of Vibder, Lego, and Anderson was a real good line. Um, Peter Freacher, uh, Inachuk, uh, sorry, Miroslav Freacher, Peter Inachuk, and Walt Pedamdi. That was that had been a good line. And then we had a bunch of really good, really good bit players. You know what I mean? So, but the problem, it just the whole the whole Ballard thing just yeah. made. Um, everybody was very individualistic. It wasn't a real, real good team feeling there. So and yeah. I think they've done a better job of that now with the alumni and everything else there too. You know what I mean? So, and there's, there's just that more respect for playing for the, for what's on your Jersey there now than there was back then. That's for sure. So, but so, there was some great hockey players and Boria, Boria was, you know, towards the end of his career, but he was still phenomenal. Uh, Ricky Vive was in the middle of his, his 50, 350 goal seasons when I got there and just watching that every night was incredible. And yeah, uh, yeah and we had, uh, the, oh, my favorite was uh, Mike Palmatier was still our goalie because. No way. Yeah. And and, uh, and when I was a kid playing ball hockey, I was Mike Palmatier in that <laughs> on the, on the yeah. street. Yeah. So, and he of was still there. Were. Yeah. Mike so, Palmatier was the goalie that year that you're yeah, there. So it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And uh you come in and and um we had a lot of rookies too that were pretty good, but yeah, it just it just never never materialized. And then towards the end of that year I was battling battling a lot of the, the back issues, which eventually led to the decision. So Yes, of course. Now before well, and I guess I, I guess you tell me if it was before or after the decision. But the following season, you got to do a pretty cool experience, right? Because yeah. I looked up this town. I looked up this town, and and this is the description that I was given. I was given the description that this town was like an incredible health resort town in the middle of the mountains. Yeah. 
this this team in Germany that you played professional hockey for. Right. It it was it was a beautiful beautiful town and it was it was an alp they had uh, ski jumping there like the two the high and the low one they had you know all kinds of winter sports stuff and everyone was hiking all the time you know the the traditional you'd see the Germans out in their lederhosen out hiking and stuff with their their hiking sticks at the time <clears throat> at the time we were right on the east west border and uh, so there was a fence and it was called no man's land. And I think it was a hundred meters from the fence to the border, but they had these, um, they had these outposts every kilometer. I think it was with, with the, the soldiers up in there with their, their uh, machine guns and stuff. So I used to go out for runs in that and uh, you'd be running along and these guys would be, have their machine guns trained on you. And I just yeah. used to piss them off. I'd wear fatigues and stuff when I was out running. So just to see, <laughs> probably wasn't the smartest idea when I was doing it, but but well, it was, we, I just wanted to see the reaction I get when I was running through the forest. So, but it was a beautiful little town. Unfortunately, the the uh, the team wasn't the best team. Um, okay. Every team had six German Canadians, and then two Canadian imports. My team was all Polish guys. Nothing against. Polish guys, but they weren't, they, they could all skate and everything very well, but they didn't understand the game very well. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was a bit of a frustrating experience because this team brought me over to try and go from second division into first division. And yeah. there's no way we were going to do that with the team we had. So okay. I, I left at Christmas and I came back and hooked up with um, uh, Detroit's Farm Club, Adirondack. Adirondack, yes. Yeah. And had, a, right, right. had an awesome time playing for one of the best coaches of all time, a guy named Billy Deneen. He was there. And uh, there, it was almost like it was all ex, all ex-NHL guys on this Adirondack team. Really? It was it was crazy. And, and uh, our goalie was uh, Kenny Holland, actually. So oh, wait. He, yeah, he went on to do some pretty good stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. So it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun down there. And then Detroit actually offered me a contract to another two-way contract and that's when yeah. i said i can't play the way i have to play so that's yes. when i decided to to make the move okay so now and and this is what makes this episode so important is just the fact that injuries and and pain for say is a part of sport it just depends on how we handle them and how we can manage it with how long we really play. Did you right. agree with that? I totally agree with that. And and I will admit, I got into uh, I got into some stuff, you know, when I was playing. Um, back then, um, you know, there wasn't the stuff around that there is now, like the the uh, oxycotons and all that type of stuff. But yep. Yep. I, you know, I I was probably drinking more than I I should have. Just yeah. to manage, you know, you come off a game and you were in pain. You just have a few extra beers, a couple shots, and just to get a good night's sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So that was that was something that was a bit of a concern. And and um, but you you had to. What you have to realize when you're playing 80. Well, now it's 80, I think back then it was 80 games a year. Now it's 82 games a year. Yeah. Like you're you're gonna be in pain. You know what I mean? Pain is just part of being a professional athlete. It's just that degree of pain. And as you said, the most important thing is how you manage that pain. You know, so 
that's where guys, a lot of the guys <clears throat> come the, the late 80s and stuff and the 90s ran into trouble with getting into stuff that, you know, some of them are still paying for today type thing. Yeah. So you got to, yeah. you got to, and that's, you know, that's where I, I got to a point where this isn't fun anymore. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, I can't play like this. It's just not fun. And the way I had to play, you know, I was a mucker. I wasn't a, I wasn't a skilled guy. I had to go in the corners and bang it out. And every once in a while I had to drop them and stuff like that. And then, and it just, it, it wasn't fun anymore. And that's, I said, there's got to, that's when I finally said, there's got to be a better way dealing with this low back situation. So now I know that from a very young age, like early twenties, like this is on your mind, but like, when did you actually, like, I guess it would have been when you went to school for it like like when did you really like say okay this is this is the my career now when when detroit <clears throat> excuse me when detroit offered me the contract i had a decision to make at that point and i i had already sort of started thinking about the the chiropractic thing and that was because uh you know growing up where i told you i grew up at leslie and shepherd there was yeah. a guy a dr gibson in a house practice and he um my parents, for some reason, were very, they were into the chiropractic. I don't know why back then. It was really weird. That, but if I had, a, you know, woke up with a stiff neck or I had, any, any injury I had, okay, you're going to see Doc Gibson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I always thought it was pretty cool. And, and when he was doing stuff with me, I always thought I could see that this had a real sports, there was some sports, you know, connection there. Yeah. So when, um, when, uh, when I finally made the decision, I thought, yeah, that I'm going to, I'm going to go back to chiropractic. And, and, and I had to make that decision at that point. Cause you know, you're now 25 and, uh, the longer I wait to go back to school, cause I had to go back and get a, back then you needed a bachelor of science. So I had to go get the bachelor yeah. of science and then four more years after that for the, uh, the chiropractic degree. So I, I had, to, I figured that, I got to make a decision and I made the decision and, and off I went back to school. So right on. So you actually like, because you were playing. So while you were playing senior, you had started at U of T because yeah, you graduated I, in 88, right? But you were playing senior like 86, 87, 88. Yeah. I just went back to play. It was um, right on. I just, uh, this guy, Donnie Robertson out of, uh, out of Brantford and Flamborough he contacted me and he said, you don't have to practice. You can just come and, uh, yeah. and play the games. And, uh, that was, that was pretty funny because, uh, I would pick up two guys to come, uh, with me out of Toronto to go to the games. And one guy yeah. didn't play a whole lot. And so we'd be driving to the game and, uh, you know, he'd be he'd be popping beers in the back, and me and the other guy are trying to get, you know, trying to get a mind on for a game. So, yeah. so it was a lot of fun. And then <laughs> and we had we had a bunch of great ex pros on that team too. Cool. And uh, we ended up winning the the Allen Cup my last year there. So nice. Yeah. So and Very actually, nice. the same guy Donnie Robertson has asked me. Uh, they're trying to do a little eight game series uh, for senior hockey right now. So he's asked me to come back and help coach. So I'm going back to help coach uh, one of the, they're called the Flamborough Ducks actually. So yeah. Well, congratulations. So, yeah. So that'll be kind of fun. 
But yeah, they don't no, tell you sure. you got to do this course and that course and all this stuff. I just wanted to go back and coach. Yeah, buddy. Got... <laughs> right on. So, okay. So, so in 88, Bachelor of Science in Human Biology. Very right. impressive, my friend. Right? Then you went to, to, to graduate from the Memorial Chiropractic College in 92. And then in 92 is when you began consulting with the, with the World Series champs? Well, that was that was that's a cool story. So you don't get your you don't get your um, your diploma. Well, you get your diploma, but you don't get your license right away. So basically, you finish up in June, and you don't get your license till sometime in August. So I'm in downtown Toronto. I'm at a I'm at a bar, believe it or not, and uh, <laughs> I run into uh, Tommy Craig, who was the trainer for the Jays at the time. And uh, he had become, uh, he was, he's from like South Carolina or something. He's got a real twang and he'd become a hockey fan though. So I'm in the bar and he just, he comes up to me and I go, Hey, you're Tommy Craig. He goes, Hey, you're, you're Patty Graham. And I said, yeah, how the hell do you know that? He goes, I, I remember you're from playing hockey. So he says, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I just graduated from chiropractic college and waiting for my license and I'm going to be practicing. He goes, where are you going to be practicing? I said, well, I'm going to be at Dundasson University because I'd met a guy, this Peter McKay, Dr. Peter McKay, and yeah, he wanted me to come and work with him for a couple of years and then take over his practice because he was moving to San Diego. And uh, so anyway, uh, and Pete had met Tommy before somewhere too, so it's just a small world. So he says, well, listen, if I'm going to come up and see you, and if you're any good, I'll send some of the guys up. So... Sure enough, he comes up, and uh, I guess he was happy with what I was doing. So next thing I know, here I am trying to build a practice, and I got Robbie Alomar and all these guys sitting in my waiting room, <laughs> and people are coming in, and they're going, holy smokes, this guy must know what he's doing. Meanwhile, I'm right out of school, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it started. That was September of 92, right, going into the uh, World Series. Yeah, yeah. And so was was that the first one or the second one? That was the first one. That was the first one. Very first one, yeah. yeah it's one of the best teams of all time. Unbelievable. Pat. Unbelievable. And great group right. of guys, too. And then uh, wow. the the strike came, and in 94 or 5, Tommy's still with the team. And he and but at this point, they were still coming up to my office. And then Tommy... Uh, calls me, he says, Henkin's pitching tomorrow. He's got a bad neck. Can you come down to the ballpark to to fix him up? So I said, I'll be yeah. there, you know, give me 10, 20 minutes. I'll be down there. It was on yeah. a Sunday, Saturday afternoon, I think it was. So yeah. uh, meanwhile, we're having a barbecue at the house that night, like that afternoon. So anyway, I get down there, and the team doctor, Ron Taylor, great guy, but he just, he says, you can't treat in the – here because i don't know the insurance scenario you know what i mean okay. so I, it's nothing about you it's nothing about what you do because he would send me people too but he goes you can't treat in here i don't you know pat's gonna have to just make do with so i mentioned to tommy i said listen i've got a table at the house after the game if he wants to come up you know i'm just in etobicoke if he wants to come up he can come up and i'll treat him at the house so i, I just i threw it out there you know what i mean and next thing i know him and Ed Sprague came up and for treatments because Ed was hurting too. Your door. Yeah. 
And we're having a barbecue in the backyard. We got people in the backyard. Oh <laughs> so I thank God I'd only had maybe 12 beer by that point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I, I bring them in the house. I treat them both. Pat's like, oh, that's, thank you, doc. That's awesome. So I said, come on, come on in the backyard. So they both sat and had a couple beers and a bite to eat in the backyard. And then they both went back and Henkin pitched a beauty the next day and, and Sprague played. And, but the great thing was they were both the team union guys. Sprague and Henkin were the team union guys. So they go to the whoever they went to and they said, this is bullshit. We got to get this guy in house because of what happened yesterday type thing. Yeah. So I know they, they did all the due diligence with the insurance and stuff. And uh, I've been in house ever since. So. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a great run. This September will be 30 years working with the ball club, and hopefully there's a season this year, so I can. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a lockout coach. right now. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that was a good story. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm a huge Blue Jays fan. Mm. Huge. I'm I'm every sport, buddy. But like the Jays, man, I'm right in there. But um, I I love that time, like when you started with them. I've been a fan ever since, even those years that have been very frustrating. Um, so, so you're like, so you're the team chiropractor. Yeah, the Toronto I've, been, I've been the I've been the official Cairo for, like I said, it'll be 30 years come this September. We've had a couple other Cairos come in, um, uh, Dr. Mark Scapatici and Dr. Mike Prebeg, great guys, very good docs. They focus mostly on the um, the acupuncture and the the active release technique stuff. Whereas yes. my role was just uh, I, only fitting, like I said, with the hockey, I was a bit, you know, I was the plumber. My role was just doing the manipulation on the guys. And yeah. the guys really seem to appreciate what I do for them. So I've been, you know, I've just been able to have the longevity there. So I've been blessed with that, that scenario for sure. Cause That's we've had so a bunch cool. of different trainers come through and, and they, I seem to still hang around. So it's been good. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. You're awesome. So, okay. So, so this, this is a huge, like a huge, huge deal, but I want to talk about core optimum health center consulting. I, I, I want to talk about that. When was that started? So the core. Yeah. So I had uh, my downtown practice. I had shoulder and wrist surgery at the same time. And they said, with the shoulder, you might not be able to practice again. So I sold that practice. I was doing some consulting and stuff like that. And um, then I, I got the itch to get back into practice. And so I, I opened up the place out in Mississauga. And um, it, it's great because it's like a you know, 10, 15-minute drive from the house in Etobicoke. Great location because we've got all the different highways. So people come from Brampton, Oakville, uh, West Toronto, and all over Mississauga. So it's it's been really good, and it, I've been that's been 12 years now. I think is is how long we've been there, and that's about the time where treating all these young kids um, in uh, in hockey and different sports c- coming in, and I was seeing concussion after concussion after concussion. And that's when I reached out to our good buddy, Kerry Goulet Gary, with stock concussions. Yeah. Cause we wanted to, we wanted to start looking at baseline testing with the impact tests that the guys do and everything. And uh, so Kerry 
uh, Carrie and I hooked up, and, and then he's introduced me to Dr. Scott Haller from Shift Concussion, which is a great program that's basically a mirror image of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, which is the concussion center in the world. You know, when, when Sid had his issues, that's where they figured everything out. And if, you know, Dale Earhart Jr. or whatever, you have a concussion, you go to the University of, University of Pittsburgh. So that's where all, all our trainings come from. And that's all thanks to uh, my meeting with, with Kerry Goulet. So, wow. Yeah. So the, what's next on that front? Do you know yet? Like, what's the next step with joining these forces that you're meeting with? Well, I... You know, Stop Concussions has done a great job of, they're, they're very hockey focused, okay, and they've done a great job of, of concussion prevention by looking at what you can do as a coach, an organization, a league for not only rules, but what you can do on the ice, teach kids what they can do on the ice to avoid getting into that concussive contact situation, okay, which is great, and that's a big part of it. But over the years of, of watching these kids come in and what I've seen with phones and computers and stuff like that, I'm seeing these kids come in and I'm like, if they only did this, if they only did that, maybe they wouldn't get concussed. So yeah. that's, that's where I just, you know, mentally taking notes and writing stuff down here and there. And then with COVID, you know, sitting around for three months, I thought, shit, I gotta, I'm going to put this down. You know what I mean? I'm going to write about this. And as it got going, it just took on a life of its own. And I started out very hockey focused, but then as I got going, I also realized so much of this applies to, and it doesn't have to be a contact sport. There's stuff in, in the book that we're talking about or going to be talking about that it's not, it's not just a contact sport. Things happen in soccer. Things happen in different sports. And I saw these things that, that kids or athletes in general could be doing that might prevent a concussion. So that's where that was sort of my thing. And then once I got going with it, the coolest thing for me was I'm like, well, yeah, that could prevent a concussion possibly, you know, like a seatbelt could prevent a death in a, in a motor vehicle accident. But this is also a performance enhancing thing too. Like the stuff we're talking about, we're talking about posture, you know, the better posture you are, the better you can breathe, the better you can see, uh, the better your body moves, you're going to perform better. Not only, you not only prevent a, potentially prevent a concussion. Talk about yeah. the eyes, talk about neck strength, talk about, uh, oh man, there's, I'd have to go through it all, but it's, there's so many things and it was all cool because none of the stuff I talk about has any negative effect, but the positive effect besides the potential for concussion prevention is performance enhancement. So that's that's sort of where I want to get to now with with Carrie with stop concussions is is broaden take it out of the hockey realm completely and and broaden it to other sports and provide this information to to kids and their parents and and it can be it can be an adult athlete too just information that is so simple to do that might stop you from experiencing that concussion because as we know I'm sure you've had a few there's there's lasting effects there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh like yeah. My my it's last a- one knocked all the color right out of my hair. So, I mean, it's uh, it's been a t- no. <laughs> but yeah, I had I had a few along the way, and and you know I I'm I'm 60 now, and I'm paying attention to what's my memory like and stuff like that. So, but we all know guys that have experienced way worse 
long-term effects from it. So if you can avoid it, it'd be, you know, or prevent it, it'd be a great thing. So Patty, the first thing is, you know, I, 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 I can't, I, I have to condone you lying on the show saying that you're 60 years old. You, you don't look, any older than 45, brother. I don't know where. You're, I don't know what's going on here. Some kind uh, of flattery will get flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. So very much. okay. So now, what about the book? The book. Yeah, the I called it the concussion prevention playbook because the way I the way it's sort of done is there's a little story at the start of each section about an actual client of ours. I've changed the names, but an actual client and what happened to them and then what what they could have done with the stuff the information i'm providing to help them prevent the concussion so it's not long it's like 50 pages long it's i've brought it down to a simple you know fairly simple reading level uh there's going to be some fun i'm working i've got to get myself an illustrator right now that's the last thing i have to do so i'm working on that to have some fun pictures and stuff and I've yeah. tried to make it um, as simple and, and as quick as possible. But there's also, as you go through the book, there's going to be some links to websites so you can go and learn exercises. You know, just click on that site and learn exercises and stuff. I'm going to have it in an ebook form as well as a, a hard copy form. And I want to, uh, I want it to have a bit of a fundraising component to it as well, too. So for stop concussions, for instance, um, if we sell sell books, a portion of the proceeds will go to to stop concussions and and, and that type of thing. So, because that's been something that got me started on this road. Yeah. See, this all this stuff is is so incredible, Patty. It's so good that you're doing this, man. Like, I, I got it. I got it to, to tip my hat to you, man. Like, I I appreciate guys like you doing this because you're the leaders that are leading the way to make a new wave of sports medicine, to make a new wave of ways to rehab, ways to be better, ways so we don't have to be in pain. Well, I must say, like I said, it just started because of, uh, you know, having the time on my hands with COVID, but it really has been a fun process. And little things will come to me like, Swear to God, last night, two o'clock in the morning, this little thing about posture popped into my head. So I got up this morning and threw that into the draft. You know what I mean? Like, very nice. Things. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fun process, and and it's all been driven by seeing these young kids come through my clinic with concussions, whiplashes. Um, well, for instance, uh, shoulder injuries. You know, kids on phones. On computers and everything else, their posture, they're really starting to get rolled shoulder posture. We have kids coming in, they just, girls hockey, no hitting, but they get squeezed into the boards. Next thing you know, they got a separated shoulder. You know what I mean? So little things like that we talk about in the book too. So it's just been, it's all been driven by seeing these kids come through and having the three boys myself, I I wanted to protect them somehow and, and hopefully, you know, they, they won't get concussed. They won't have injuries and stuff like that. Although my youngest guy who's down at Cornell University playing lacrosse, we were just down to see him this weekend. He, Is that uh, he Cornell? Dislo- yeah, yeah, he's playing lacrosse down there. So he wow. just dislocated his shoulder so badly they had to put him right out to get it back in. And now they're going to have to do surgery on March the 10th, I think they're talking about. So, But I that wasn't a posture. He's got good posture because the old man's been on him. So, 
Okay, good. <laughs> good. Well, I, I wish him the best of luck with that surgery. Thank you. Thank now, you. now, Doc, so, so like, I mean, people are listening to this and they're like, you know, my hero, Pat Hankin, and my other hero, Ed Sprague, got this man directly in by getting his treatment. That's how the best business is spread, by seeing someone's work, by experiencing someone's work. Then you want to buy. You know, and, and it's in so many different types of businesses, Doc. For sure. Right? So the proof is in the pudding. So now how does one get a hold of your business in Saga? Uh, it's it's very simple. It's just uh, the website is thinkcore.ca, and uh, that takes you, you right to the website. Can you say it one more website. time? What's up? Can you say it one more time? Think Core? Think, think Core. Think, like thinking and core. So T-H-I-N-K-C-O-R-E dot C-A. And it's, okay. uh, that takes you to the website. And then there's also, if you know, uh, there's a phone number on there. And people can call the clinic if, you know, even if they want to talk to me, I'd be happy to talk to them. Um, email us, there's email contact. And then there's, if you want to book an appointment, there's a, a booking site called Jane that you can get on and book a site with that too. So, Right on, because I, I, I can't preach the importance of this type of therapy. Doc, any team that has been close with the chiropractor, when I was in Rochester, we had Dr. Don Dudley. My girlfriend even worked for him under the table. <laughs> and I had such a close connection with him because I appreciated I appreciated it so much. It, it helped me so much, Doc. It, it, you know, especially if you're a physical player. You know, when I was in Rockford, we had another guy. His first name was Sean. Can't remember the last name. Very, very good chiropractor as well, man. Right. You know, he had a table right in our dressing room. Anyone that was smart would go to him and you'd feel so much better. And I can't even tell, I can't, like, uh, for the listeners out there, get a treatment. If you've ever gotten it, no, but Doc, honestly, wouldn't you suggest that if they've never gotten the treatment to check it out? Because it could be a game changer for some people. It, well, just for life in general, like we put ourselves, you know, even if you're not an athlete, you put yourself through a lot of stress just sitting around working and computers and stuff like that. It, you know, the way we approach it is it's it's about uh, maintenance. It's about prevention. And then when there is an injury, it works phenomenal for certain injuries as well, too. And actually, I should say almost any injury because you want to get that underlying structure working properly, which allows the soft tissue to heal properly. And uh, and we we work on all of that. Like at the clinic, we have well, there's three chiros and we all have three physiotherapists as well and three massage therapists. So Ooh. we try and be a one-stop shop for everybody. And uh, a couple of our chiros and, and massage therapists they do acupuncture as well too. So yeah, we got we got the whole gamut there. And and something will work for you for sure. But the chiropractic side of things, like with the Jays for instance, I'm down there every second home game. I may see six to 10 guys each time I'm down there. Maybe one of them has an injury that needs to be looked at. The rest of them are just doing it. And these are professional athletes. They, they play 162 games a year. They want to feel good when they go on the field. So yeah. I, they just come on, they hop on the table. Big Vladdy lies down and, you know, he just nods at me and uh, I treat him foot to head and gives me the thumbs up when he's done and uh, off he goes. You know, it's a great thing. And these guys appreciate just feeling fully functional, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. 
Now, I mean, all jokes aside, is Vladdy going to learn English or what, man? Vladdy Can he speak is, a little now or no? He, Vladdy is actually quite proficient in English. What? I just think he's not um, comfortable. Confident. Yeah, he's just not confident on the interview process. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah no, so I you think speak to him in English? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we can communicate on. quite fine, yeah. Good, good. You got time? For, you want got time for a really funny story though? I'm love. I would love to hear a very. So funny. you know Teoscar Hernandez. Yes. Okay. So he's that guy. This guy is he's one of my favorites. The guy's an amazing. Yes. He's no, amazing, amazing athlete. Now these guys are all from the Dominican Republic, which which I've right. recently learned a lot about that country. But please continue. Yeah. So anyway, he would come in. One of our trainers uh, is is Spanish. So Teoscar would come in when he was a rookie and he would talk to the trainer in Spanish all the time. And I knew he was from the Dominican. So I, I just, you know, I just say hi and stuff and he just nod. And so one day the trainer says, Patty, can you look at uh, Teoscar's back? So I said, sure. So he comes over to the table and, and I'm, I'm like going, is it upper back, mid back, low back? And I'm doing all these hand signals, right? And he's just, he just sort of points to his low back, doesn't say anything. So then I'm like, okay, go face down on the table, face down. And he just turns to me and he goes, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> so I go, you son of a bitch, you speak perfect English. <laughs> so we both started laughing our ass off. He yeah. His girlfriend's from New Jersey. Like you would, yeah. you wouldn't even know he's he he doesn't even really have an accent when he speaks English either. Wow. So, so anyway, yeah. So he's been a regular since that time. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. No, man. Those are the best stories. I I, I appreciate that so much. <laughs> that guy can hit them out of the park like it's mm. nothing. That yeah, guy's incredible. He is pure. He's pure. Yeah. That's why I, I want the season to get going because we got such a great group of guys. I, I'm looking forward to uh, winning the East this year. Man, that is no. I I agree with you. I, it's so cool that you even brought that up because I I forgot. I'm like, man, the Blue Jays have like the best core in the league. Yeah. Right. The yeah, best absolutely. young core. I wouldn't trade the Jays core for anyone else's core. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You agree? I totally agree. Yeah, it's very exciting, man. Doc, you're part of a really good organization, buddy. I, I'm, I'm very excited for you guys this coming year. I I I got to I got to get myself out to some games. I haven't I haven't been. Well, to that's why we get down to a game together. We'll grab Danny and uh, we'll head down. Yeah, well, Danny would love to hear that. He's a huge Jays fan, as am I. So that that's wonderful, Doc. But now, before I let you go, I I have to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you come back for a part two, Doc? Because there's a lot of other things that I'd like to get into, including some mental health stuff and, and other things. So w- would you be willing to come back, with Mr. Patty? Sean, I'd be, yeah. I, you know what? And I've I got to say something to you. Like, you're a natural at this, man. You are, uh, you just you, you just let it flow and you're uh, you, you're great. So uh, I'd come back. But it. yeah, you do an awesome job and uh, it's been a lot of fun and I'd be happy to come back. Well, awesome. Well, listeners, you've heard it here. The doc said he's coming back. We will take him physically from his home if he doesn't. But I want to thank the listeners for tuning into another episode of The Sheriff featuring special guest, the doc, Addie Graham himself. 
I learned so much today, brother. I really appreciate it. Uh, we will see you soon. And we're going to sign out now, guys. Woo!